0: Tell me what. I can't see the thing <laughs> behind me. Okay. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Hand Me My Purse, the podcast. I am Mimi Walker, and I will be your forever host each and every single time you tune into this podcast. So go ahead and get comfortable. Get yourself a glass of your favorite beverage, whether that's alkaline water, red Kool-Aid, a hot cup of tea with honey, a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon or Hennessy, and light yourself a candle, some incense, or burn some sage, and just get ready to chill out and have a good time. What's up, friends and kin? It is none other than your resident Auntie Supreme here. Hand me my purse, the podcast, Mimi Walker. And today I'm sipping on some hot tea. I'm sipping on some tea that I got a few years ago. I don't really know if tea expires and I'm not going to stop drinking it, actually, because it was not cheap tea in a box that you get from the store, from the grocery store. I got it from a local black-owned woman business in I don't know if it's DC or if it's Maryland if it is DC it's on the outskirts of DC called the Spice Suite and I don't quite know the owner's name um, but I do know she's a black woman and I do know that she's doing awesome things I ended up there because I was helping my cousin Uh, she was having a pop-up shop uh, the owner, the spice suite, was having a pop up shop and my cousin was selling her Ankara headbands and I was there helping her and I bought some stuff. I bought some ginger, I bought some herbs and I bought this tea and it is a black tea base and it is a lavender hibiscus tea. It has cinnamon, verbena, rose and ginger. No, I might be making that up. No ginger And it. And it is absolutely luxurious. It is delicious. And I'm not a big drinker of black tea, but I bought it because it smelled so good and it tastes exactly how it smells. And I'm drinking it uh, today and I feel amazing. I added some honey. Usually I add lemon to my hot tea. Just, uh, as a normal practice, but I didn't because I didn't want the tea to be too acidic because black tea can be kind of acidic to me. But anyway, if you are a tea connoisseur, a tea drinker, as I am, give me a shout out uh, on social media because um, I am a fancy tea drinker and a basic tea drinker sometimes because sometimes it's nothing wrong with a nice cup of orange Pico Lipton tea in the yellow box. I don't do it often. But sometimes I do because it takes you back to your childhood when you got sick and your mother or your father or your grandmother or your auntie would make you tea with honey or no. My family wasn't that sophisticated with sugar and lemon in it. And uh it's something about a hot cup of tea that just makes me feel great. So that's what I'm drinking. Shout out to the spice suite and if you live in the Maryland, DC, Virginia, in the DMV area. Check them out. They are in D.C. I'll tag them and then you can follow them. But shout out to this tea because it is absolutely delicious. So friends and kin for today's uh, I still haven't figured out what I'm going to call this segment. Um, as it stands, it's called Black Facts. But this today is not really about a fact. It's about a discussion. Um Today uh, today is June 30th, that's when I'm recording this uh, segment and today uh, Bill Cosby was released from prison and uh, that is a point of contention in the black community and so I saw something that um, struck me on the interwebs and it was a post that... Um, Demetria Lucas, if you don't know who she is, Google her. Uh, She's very well known on uh, Rihanna's internets, but um, she posted something and I absolutely adored what she said. And I'm going to read it to you. It says black women in bonnets, black women with BBLs, which is a Brazilian butt lift. That's a whole different topic. We'll talk about that another day. Black women with orange hair and long nails. Black women with untamed edges. Black women who won't submit. Single black women. Black single mothers. Fat black women. Black women who don't adhere to or promote respectability politics. Excuse me. Equals the downfall of the black community. Parentheses. Because like systemic racism and white supremacy don't exist. Close parentheses. A black male rapist on the loose equals uplift him, free him, celebrate him, for he is a hero, a fine example of manhood and fatherhood, and justice has finally been served. Listen, in the comments, it was going buck wild. Okay. Not crazy buck wild, because I think people know not to really come on her uh, page with that or on her post too much, but. You know, when things like this happen in our community, there becomes um, an energy of a great divide. Of course, you know, people will say, oh, none of us were there. We don't know if he raped those women, blah, 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 blah. It's the same shit that was spewed out about R. Kelly. But 50 women, like 50 women, and he admitted it. He admitted that he would give them drugs. So 50 women say that he did it. And you guys are still saying that he didn't do it. And he said he did it. So I don't really know. Um, I think I said this on the last episode that uh, as a community, we need healing. And that is an understatement because the truth of the matter is that we don't. Tend to honor um, black women. And there's nothing that I hate more than when people say things like, oh, they were trying to uh, get rich or become celebrities or become actresses. Or when people say about um, the victims, our Kelly's victims, who were children. OK, all oh, those girls were fast and they knew what they were doing. First of all, they're fucking children. OK, so they may think they know and they may have some inclination, but they don't have the right mind set developmentally to make those kind of decisions. But that's neither here nor there. And neither do women that are drugged. OK, so um, do better. OK, fucking do better. That's it. And the whole situation with the bonnets. Leave black women the fuck alone. I saw this thing today and this lady was just like, leave us alone. Leave us the fuck alone. If women want to fucking wear bonnets, leave them alone. Are they going on job interviews with bonnets? I hope not. Are they going to the grocery store with a bonnet? I don't give a shit. You know, at my school, we don't let um the young ladies come to school with bonnets on. We also don't let... um kids wear grills or fronts they have to wear uniform but that's school and i think that that is a great way to help them to understand that in certain situations you don't present that way like you shouldn't be wearing a bonnet to work unless you work for a bonnet distributor and you're or you're a bonnet model how about that you shouldn't be wearing that to work so you shouldn't be wearing that to school Let the bonnet shit go. Okay. Respectability politics is too much. Just leave black women the fuck alone. Like leave them alone. Let them be free to do what they want. To have orange hair and long nails. Because people talking about. We ain't even gonna go there. About Shakari Okay. We Y'all gonna leave her alone. So what her hair is orange and her nails are long. Tomorrow her hair might be black. And her nails might be long. So what? What does that have to do with how fast she runs? Because guess what? Her orange hair and her long nails are not going to get in the way of her winning a gold medal. they It didn't get in the way of her running faster than all the other people that were on the track. Just leave black women alone. Please. Please. Okay? And black men... Please leave us alone if you're not trying to uplift us. And please stop saying that we don't uplift you and we don't provide safe spaces. Cut it out. Okay? I'm done for the day. And I don't care what you say. The man said he did it. And he didn't get out because he was innocent. He didn't. Read up on it. Get your facts straight. He didn't get out because the, the court system uh, thought that he was not guilty. That's not what happened here, friends. Okay? Okay. Now let's get into the show. Can we talk for a So, Friends and kin, on last Friday on Amazon Prime, a documentary about Queen Mother Mary Jane Blige OK, the official celebrity auntie of Hand Me My Purse, the podcast, uh, a documentary about her and her sophomore album, My Life, was released on Amazon Prime. So I was waiting for this for about three or four weeks. The day that it was released, that it was going to be coming out on June 25th, I had been waiting on it. OK, because I am a major fan. I actually met Mary J. Blige uh, in 2019 at her backstage at her concert. But anyway, it was the best thing ever. But anyway, I made sure that on that Friday, last Friday, that I carved out some time to watch it. And I had a pretty full day, but I sat down and I watched it uh, with somebody that is very important to me. And so we watched this program as old black ladies say, we watched this television program and I wanted to make sure that I watched it and finished it before I left the house or had to run any errands or the gentleman who was coming to repair my sofa game. I wanted to make sure that I was cued in to watch this documentary. Okay. So I turned on my good Amazon prime and I watched my life, the documentary. And if you don't know about it by now, if you haven't watched it, as soon as you finish listening to this podcast or before this day is over, I want you to have watched it. It's not that long. It's only an hour and 22 minutes long. I want you to have watched it or make plans to watch it. For some of us, we are coming up on a three day weekend. So Please make plans to watch this. It is very worth it. I've watched it three times and I'm probably going to watch it three more times, if not more than that. This uh, documentary, and if you don't know the My Life album, what are you doing with your life? Okay. My Life was released on November 29th, 1994. 94 was a good year. Okay. It was for me anyway. It was a good year. I was in high school. I lived in California. And I actually didn't realize it until I was an adult and started going to therapy. But in high school, I was really, really depressed. I was probably clinically depressed without being diagnosed. Like I was really sad and no one ever knew because I was really good at masking it. Uh, But I was really down and that album is really dark and she talks about it in the documentary about how dark how how she was in such a dark place and big bub if you don't know who big bub is like again what are you doing with your life big bug big bub excuse me from the group today if you don't know today today is why are you getting funky on me tell me why these are all generation x um this is a whole Gen X situation that I'm talking about right now, but he wrote some of the songs and he mentioned in the documentary that he was in a really dark place. And if you listen to it, like the album is really sad. It's sad. And now I know why I related to it so much because my ass was in a dark ass place. Anyway, amazing album. Sometimes out of pain comes some of the most amazing art. And that is the case with this album. So Please, if you don't know about this album, you really got to just check your life. And if you don't know about it because you're too, um, I don't want to say too old because that's not kind, because it is too after your time or if you are too young, um, I implore you to go and find out about it. Listen to it. It's really good. It's timeless. R&B, soul, R&B, soul, hip hop, whatever you want to call it. Mary J. Blige. Queen Mother Mary J. Blodge is the queen of hip hop and R&B, and that is the perfect title for her. But anyway, enough about that. The documentary is amazing, and it filled me with so much joy, sadness, curiosity. I started thinking it made me angry, and I was very upset with KC uh, from KC and JoJo. after watching it, even more upset. And of course it filled me with pride because Queen Mother Mary Jane Blige is the epitome of grace. Okay? She's a graceful, graceful I don't even know what to say. Like and it's rare that I become speechless, but I don't even know what to call her. But she she's the epitome of grace. She's just amazing. And you know, she is ultimately the human personification of the black girl experience in America as a black woman, as a black girl, without even knowing why I connected so much to that album and that I connected so much to her story. I knew I was connected to her as a human being, even as a a kid. And sometimes, you know, like art, in this case, music as an art form can do that for you. It did for me. And I'm sure you can relate because, you know, they're just artists that I just know that I'm connected to just by their music or by their art. We're talking about music in this case. And some I've had the blessed opportunity to meet. And it's like, I knew we were kinfolk. I knew we was of the same ilk. I could tell by your music. But please just watch it. Please. It is so good. And she is literally, like I said, the human personification of The black girl experience in this country, like in in the documentary will help you to understand that even more. So after watching this documentary again, because I watched it, I told you three times, I realized that a lot of people, not just Mary Queen Mother Mary Jane Blige, but a lot of people are just holding on to so much trauma like so much childhood trauma and holding on to it for dear life it's almost like they were like second skin and Queen Mother Mary Jane Blige kept mentioning that she has to protect that five-year-old version of herself and the version of herself from the My Life album that 19 year old girl that young girl and that got me to thinking What exactly is she holding on to and what about that baby Mary is she protecting now? You know what I'm saying? Because that was like 45 to 46 years ago that that baby was there. But now she feels the need to still protect her or protect that part of her. And, um, you know, like she's lived for over half a century and in no way, shape or form, be clear that this thought process of mine spring from a place of judgment It was actually quite the contrary. It came from a place of connection and understanding because I started to reflect and look at my own life and I fully understand that whole mental process. I used to do it faithfully. I could not go a day without in some way, shape or form referencing some aspect of my childhood trauma. Like in that I'm no bullshit like and I had become a master at figuring out how to incorporate it into my daily conversations, into my daily walk through life. And about five or six years ago, um, I was at what is the name of that church? The church that Jamal Bryant used to be the pastor of here. I'm saying it like I'm waiting for y'all to respond. And you know, what's funny. Some of y'all are responding. <laughs> Anyway, whatever the name of the church is, it was an event at that church. young Levan's aunt was there. Right. It wasn't like a revival or anything like that. It was an event. She was talking. I don't really know what it was for. But what I do know is that it was for my betterment. OK, so she had us break into groups and whatever the exercise was. Um, I will say this. Uh, there was a lot of like revelations that people had about their life. Um, I don't know if we had to talk about something that we were trying to I don't I don't freaking remember what I do know is that in that moment I did my classic AAA move I acknowledged I accepted and I acted and it was like it was the start of a new way of looking at my childhood trauma I acknowledged that I wear my trauma as a part of like my everyday uniform I accepted that that was an issue or that it presented an issue in my life. And then going forward, it kind of set me up to uh, act in a different way. Okay. It was the start of a new day of looking at my childhood trauma with a different eye or with clear glasses now and not rose colored glasses. I'd even say it changed my life and prepared me for a change in my perspective and how I looked at my past and my childhood trauma. And that night I decided that I needed to change the narrative around that, but I didn't really know how to do that, nor that I even needed to figure out how to do it. It was just all a part of the greater plan that God had, right? And so as I was saying, I'm kind of, you know, I'm watching this documentary and she's talking about protecting her five your old self and then so this week a couple days ago I'm talking to uh, one of my co-workers and she's telling me about this inner self of hers right that protects who she has become it's kind of like the reverse of what Queen Mother Mary Jane Blige was talking about she has named this person and this person if I'm not mistaken is somebody that she used to be and she said that that person comes out when she is pushed in a corner or when she's really angry or when it's time for rage and she tries to keep that person suppressed because when she comes she comes to bring the hell. And so as she was talking like I understood it I fully understood where she was coming from and I wasn't judging her at all I I I got it. Um and I understood why this person that is her protector that she tries to keep suppressed, I understood why she tries to keep her suppressed because it's just another aspect of her personality, right? Clearly, for those of you who aren't making the connection, I would like to think that you are but or that everyone is, but I understand that some people are not um but that inner self person that she has named it protects her. Uh, But it acts erratic and is violent and aggressive. So she tries to keep that person, you know, suppressed or that aspect of who she is suppressed. And so as she was talking, I thought about how we just carry trauma around, you know, as as black people. And people of color, but specifically Black people, because that's what the fuck I do here. As Black people, we carry around generational trauma that we don't even really acknowledge, because we don't even really know. We don't even really know. It's just there. It's just in our bones, right? It was in our mama's bones, and our daddy's bones, our grandparents, our great grandparents, our great great grandparents, our great 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 grandparents, and so on and so forth, right? As a result of um being brought to this country and forced to um be slaves and being enslaved people um but some of us are just carrying around so much pain and trauma on our flesh and it makes me sad because it is not helpful nor is it supportive it does not um Make us better. It does not uh, help our walk. Uh, It kind of keeps us stuck and holds us back. And um, I really, really want us to heal that place. I do. I think that it is in our best interest to figure out how to heal that place because when you start to heal that place, it frees you up. Because holding on to childhood trauma and allowing it to dwell in your body um, and in your spirit and in your psyche and your mind and your heart, like it literally stagnates you. And you may not see it nor acknowledge it, nor do you accept it. So you can't act on it or get better because you don't even know that it's a problem. You know, we've been fighting 400 and steel fighting to this day. So what are some things that cause childhood trauma, you ask? And I know you asked because I know you asked. So sometimes, you know, there is, you know, obvious trauma. So physical or sexual abuse, you know, that's obvious. But there are so many different kinds of childhood trauma that you might not even identify as trauma at all, especially in our community, because what our parents and grandparents and elders may deem as just a uh, good child raising and uh i can't think of some of the great phrases that old black people use but like just raising a child right some of that shit is trauma be like straight up like some of it is just traumatic and um identifying trauma for some people is really difficult because it's been ingrained in us that some of this shit is just okay when it's really not. And so neglect is a form of trauma. And so is the loss of a parent. A serious childhood illness can present itself as trauma or traumatic. Um, Having a learning disability that leaves you like Um, feeling like you're not as good as other people or not as smart or not worthy. This one sounds crazy, but growing up in a family with a lot of freaking siblings. Like that can leave like some marks of trauma, depending on how that works, unless your parents were super rich and never had to go to work all day and all night. Right. And you never had any really heavy responsibilities Uh, growing up with a detached, emotionally unavailable parent, an anxious parent. And to be honest, like oftentimes our parents have mental health issues that go undiagnosed or even undetected as a result of their own childhood trauma. Because, like I said, children, how can I say this? Basically, it's like generational trauma like we inherit some of our parents' trauma and they inherit some of their parents inherit excuse me some of their parents' trauma and they have inherited some of their parents' trauma and so on and so forth and this goes back for hundreds and hundreds of years hence you know PTSD in black americans and then you just end up with generational trauma period end of story Uh, what does neglect look like or childhood neglect? Basically childhood neglect can just mean that your or does just mean that your emotional and or physical needs were not attended to. Okay. And this can show up in a lot of different ways. However you want to paint it, it just simply means that your needs for nurturing and care were not made a top priority. And a child's emotional and physical needs should come first. And it should be a top priority from their parent. But based on, I mean, to me, I'm going to always, I can always draw all the lines back to slavery. Like, it's just, it's not hard. But, you know, if a parent has to work or if two parents have to work because opportunities aren't afforded to them the same way they may be afforded to, their white counterparts, or if they want to make sure that their children eat, or if they don't have the same opportunities for education or job placement or transportation or, you know, so many things, healthcare, you know, sometimes a parent has to choose between, you know, my child eating, my child having school clothes and me spending a lot of time with my child because I have to go to work or because the parents have to go to work. But however you want to paint it, it's still neglect. Right. And so whatever the case may be, if your needs for nurture and for care were not made a top priority, like I said, that could be considered a form of neglect. And let me be clear, in no way am I saying that all of our parents were perfect, nor am I saying that our parents intentionally um, inflicted trauma upon us, because I don't think that there are many parents who would do that intentionally. And I do say all the time and it took me a minute to acknowledge, accept and act like I understood this, but. Parents do the best that they can with what they have, and they come to the job with all of their trauma, their parents' trauma and their grandparents' trauma and so on and so forth, and they show up to try and do the best that they can, and some of them come up short, and also, you know, I just feel like sometimes we need to cut our parents some slack, And some people will hear me say that and be like, wow, you got a lot of nerve. But contrary to popular belief, like I do believe you should cut parents some slack. Does that mean that you allow your parents or elders to be disrespectful and to be nasty and to treat you like you don't uh, matter or that uh, treat you like you're a piece of poo? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you feel like they haven't been good to you or haven't been kind to you that, or if you feel like they're toxic, that you have to allow them to be a part of your life because you don't, you have that choice. What I am saying, cut them some slack because they out here and they just humans, just like we are, they doing the best that that they can, you know? And I think when we begin to see our parents as humans, flawed humans, just like we are. Okay. And not as superheroes with unrealistic expectations on them. Um, life kind of opens up in a different way you start to understand things differently and you start to see your parents differently because realistically they're humans just like me and you and if we want people to accept us as we are with our flaws and all of our shit we have to be open to do the same for other people especially for our parents like I said if your parent is an asshole okay because guess what Parents can be full on assholes. If your parent is an asshole or they're toxic, and I don't really like to use the word toxic, but I can't think of another word to use in this moment. If they are bringing negative energy to you or they don't show up as a positive energy force in your life, it's okay to decide, and this is not just with parents, this is with anybody. It is okay to decide that you don't want that energy in your life. You, you have that right. Because here's the thing. Here's the T. Mer. They could always just stop being an asshole. Another form of trauma is losing a parent to death or um, to abandonment. As as a as a child, like that's traumatic as hell. And no matter how much you were nurtured by other relatives or uh, your remaining parent or by whoever in your life, that loss is really, 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 really heavy. And if you feel like or if you grew up feeling like your sadness wasn't acknowledged, uh, then that loss kind of dwells in To me, it just dwells in your bones even more so because you still probably need to mourn the loss of that parent because childhood you didn't get an opportunity to mourn properly and to feel your feelings properly. Because really, that is what the healing process is about. It's about feeling the feelings that you weren't able to feel as a child. Or it could be a thing where, you know, you attempted to feel the feelings. This happens a lot in our community. And it was you were told or someone demanded that you stop crying when you felt hurt or that you, you know, get it together when you were sad or, you know, black parents favorite line. um, I'll really give you something to cry about. I'll really give you something to be mad about. And it's like, just let me be mad. Just let me cry. Like, just let me feel the feelings. Because if we don't learn how to feel our feelings properly and learn that emotions are just temporary and they go away in due time, then we're never really able to complete the process that should have begun when the trauma sets in. You know, feeling the feelings is essential. And now you can't go back in time, right? So, now a part of the healing process that you have to complete is to feel those feelings. So, be mad, be sad, be happy, be confused, be afraid, be anxious. Whatever the feelings are, you have to do that. You have to feel them. Because like I said, not feeling them keeps us stuck. And a lot of us are just stuck in our childhood pain. And that's what I think about when I see Mary J. Blige talking about um, protecting her five-year-old self or her 19-year-old self. It's almost like she's stuck there. You know what I mean? And even though she's begun a healing journey, you can absolutely tell. It's almost like she's stuck there with that five-year-old Mary Jane Blige, with that 19-year-old Mary Jane Blige, because she hasn't fully felt all those feelings and mourned all of that grief and all of that loss and all of that pain and all of that tragedy and all of that trauma. Oftentimes when... There's unresolved trauma. Uh, it definitely affects your self-esteem, your self-worth, and it absolutely creates a sense of anxiety. And everybody thinks that anxiety looks the same way and that anxiety is just shaking or biting your nails or pulling your hair out or being uh, causing physical bodily harm, like being a cutter. No, 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 no. Anxiety can show up in all kinds of ways. Anxiety can actually show up in being a control freak or, you know, wanting to control outcomes all the time. And I know that because that is something that I struggle with or that I'm working through. Let me speak positively. That is something that I am working through. That is one of the several ways that my anxiety presents itself In wanting to control all of the outcomes because as a child, I did not have a lot of control over um, outcomes. There was quite a bit of chaos. And as a result, as an adult, I want to control all of the outcomes to try to have some control over my life. Like I said, in several episodes, it doesn't usually work out in my favor. And that's why I'm working through it. Right. And childhood trauma can sometimes leak into your adult life. Also, because no matter how hard you've tried to move on, that traumatized child still lives inside of you. And in order to get unstuck or to move forward, you have to be able to take the necessary steps to move beyond it or to move forward. So, Mimi, what can I do? You already know what I'm going to say. Get you a good therapist, strap on your seatbelt because shit is about to get real. I always tell you healing is ugly work. Healing includes doing shadow work. Therapy or healing is shadow work. Okay, it's ugly, it's hard, it's painful. And when I tell you the shit is hard, the shit is hard. Sometimes you'll take three steps forward and then end up taking seven steps back. Regression is real. I'm kind of in the middle of a regression right now. I just be telling you all my business, man. Regression is real. Like you can make a lot of progress and then something will happen and you might end up further back from where you started when you first started the healing journey. But the good thing about healing is that the rewards along the journey outweigh any and everything you experience that might present itself as difficult or ugly, or hard, or just downright stressful. I don't know why I put a T in stressful. Two T's? Stressful? Mm -hmm. I don't really know why I did that, but I did it. And so I read this article. And the article, I read it on Psychology Today. And the article has nine steps to healing childhood trauma as an adult. I'm going to read the the nine focal points to you. So I'm going to stop for a second. I want you to get out a pen and paper so you can jot some notes down. And when I'm done, I want you to go to psychology today, www.psychologytoday.com. I want you to put in your zip code and find yourself a good therapist because you deserve to heal and you are worth the journey. So, go ahead and get yourself a pen and paper. And I am going to commence to reading uh, the steps that you can start taking in preparation to heal childhood trauma. This isn't the end all be all. This is just the prep work while you're finding or waiting for your therapist. Okay, so go ahead and get that pen and paper. Okay, so the first thing it says is. To ground the trauma Ground it For this process to work You must be in your body And in the now So be fully present To begin you need to find a quiet place Where you won't be disturbed Sit comfortably with your eyes closed And take several deep breaths Bringing your awareness into your body That makes me think about Deepak Chopra I guess all those people say that Bring awareness into your body I don't really know what the hell that means. I should probably find it out. I have therapy tomorrow. I'll ask. Squeeze and release your muscles and feel the heaviness in your arms. Let yourself feel connected to the ground under you. I would imagine that they mean just sink, like feel heavy and let all of your weight just drop down to the ground, like drop down and get your eagle on, but you're already sitting down. Imagine a stream of energy going from your tailbone all the way down into the center of the earth. Once you feel that you are centered in your body, then you want to recall it or recall the trauma. Think of a situation that you've been upset about recently. Find something that provoked a mild to strong emotional reaction or that would have if you didn't feel emotionally numb. Review what happened in as much detail as possible and imagine yourself back in that time and place. Experience it all again with your senses. We all know what our senses are. Smell, taste, feeling, sight, hearing. Smell, taste, feeling, or touch, sight, and hearing. Yes, I don't know why it took me a long time for that. And when your emotions begin to rise or start to leave you, then you are going to sense it. That's number three, sense it. Continue breathing deeply and spend a moment in quiet relaxation. Then mentally scan your body for any sensations or anything different or any way your body has changed. They call this process percolating. Sidebar, if you didn't start singing it's time for the percolator in your head when I said that, I question who you are as a human and I especially do so if you were born before 1984. Okay, if you didn't start singing it's time for the percolator when I said that, who are you really and what what are you doing with your life moving forward? They call that percolating because of the way your emotions start to stir and bubble up inside of you. Pay attention to any physical response you experience, whether it's tingling, a tightness in any of your muscles or your chest, burning, itching. Sounds like a STD to me. Each of these sensations is a bit of information that you need to understand to uh, pay attention or to, to focus on your past experience. Explore these sensations and silently describe them to yourself in as much detail as you can. Once you've explored and described all of your physical reactions, you can move on to the next step, which is step number four. And that step is name it. What you want to do is associate an emotion with each of the sensations you feel. Is the tightness in your chest anxiety? Is the heat that you feel traveling up your arms anger? Before starting this exercise, you might want to become familiar with all of the different emotions that you can feel because it's not just mad, sad, happy. There's so many emotions. Uh, so familiarize with your, yourself, excuse me, with all the different types of emotions that you can feel. And it's important for you to recognize uh, the distinctions, the subtle distinctions between sometimes similar emotions like being upset and being angry. It's a difference. Being upset, being angry and being mad. Three totally different emotions. And this will give you a better understanding of your experience and a better knowledge of yourself. And once you've named your emotions, then we're going to move on to number five, which is love it. Please help me to understand that. As a part of a mindful approach to healing from trauma, we need to fully accept everything that we feel, whether it's true to your conscious mind at this moment or not. Say, I love myself for feeling angry, sad, or anxious, etc. Do this with every emotion you feel, especially the harder ones, and embrace your flaws, embrace your humanness, and love yourself for it. And after you've accepted And love yourself for each emotion. You can move on to step six, which is feel and experience it. Sit with your emotions and their sensations, letting the feelings percolate. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. And flow. Don't try to change or hide these feelings. Observe them. Acknowledge and welcome any discomfort you may feel, knowing that it will be gone soon and it will help you to heal Let your body respond the way it wants to and the way it needs to. And if you feel the urge to cry, cry. If you feel the need to yell something or punch something or throw something, do so. But just do it in the air. Don't really do it because you could hurt somebody. And we're not here for that because we're not that immature. Expressing your emotions in a productive way, which is something that we don't learn how to do really is especially in our community it's key to getting them moving inside of you and for you to be able to process them and allow them to move on their merry little way and when you feel you fully felt and experienced your emotion we're going to move to step number seven we're almost done which is receive its message and wisdom do the sensations or emotions you're experiencing right now connect with one or or more of the experiences in your past? Do they give you any insight into the root of the trauma or a negative limiting belief about yourself? Right now, you might be thinking, I'm not getting anything. Ask yourself, if this sensation or emotion were going to say something to me, what would it say? If you still have trouble, do some free writing. Journal about what these feelings mean for a full 10 minutes without stopping. So I'm going to stop right there. Sometimes I don't I don't I don't have that like the way my brain is set up. You might not be like me. I have the uh, attention span of a gnat. I'm literally Dory from Finding Nemo. Oh, so, I so I know I can't do that. But I will sit down and write unless I focus. I can sit down and write for an hour if I want to. But I don't usually I'm not that focused. But sit down and write. Start out just sitting down and writing for a full three minutes or five minutes without stopping. And when you think you have written down all of the messages that your emotions are sending to you, then we're going to move on to step eight, which is share it. This is where it gets hard. If you feel comfortable sharing your reflections with someone else, do that. This is why I say just get a therapist. It makes it really easy. Otherwise, you're just going to write about them on your own. Describe what happened when the trauma first happened or when the incident first happened. How you reacted at that moment or in that moment and what you've come to understand about it now. Talking and or writing about your experiences and emotions is an important step to healing. Whether you're in therapy or not, this is really important. Writing letters but not sending them to those who hurt you can be a very effective method for moving an emotion out of your system. I can attest to that. Sometimes writing a letter to the mother effer that you feel has wronged you. That you know you're not going to give to them and you know you're not going to mail and you can just say whatever you want. Child, that's a sometimes that, that can leave you feeling real free. Trust me. Once you've written everything down, we're going to move on to the last one, which is let it go. I have an issue with people telling people to let stuff go, but let's just see what it says. It says visualize the energy your trauma took up inside of you leaving your body or perform a ritual of physical release, like safely burning a letter you've written to the person who hurt you or casting off the trauma in the form of an object into the sea. I can say with uh, vigor that both of those rituals are really, really helpful. Both of them. They also talk about the act of um, taking your your feelings or your traumas, your emotions, and releasing them in a body of water. Something that I do is that I'm really, really drawn to the ocean. Uh, typically, not smaller bodies of water. Not really sure what that's about. I have no idea. I'm not really crazy about lakes, rivers, streams. Now, if I if I really really need them like and my body will tell me when I need to be near a body a moving body of water like I will my I I will know but if I can't be near the ocean then I will be near whatever kind of body of water I can get to even if it's a creek but there's something about going to the water and you don't want to pollute the ocean so please don't write anything on a piece of paper and put it in the water please do not not the dude Take it with you in your mind, right? Go to the water and say it out loud and say that I release it. I release the feeling of anger toward my brother who stole my cheese sandwich when I was little. Whatever your thing is, go to the water and release it. I'll never forget. I was young. This is before I even, you know, became a really spiritual person. I was young. I was Like maybe 23 and I was in L.A. visiting and my friend Diana and I went to Venice Beach and I got on my knees and I was praying and I was on the sand, like close to the water, got on my knees and I was praying and I was talking to God. And when I left, I felt so much better. Lighter, And I think that is when I understood like the connection that I had to the ocean, because it was like, I feel so much more free now that I've done this. So that is something that you can do. So those are the nine steps to help you prepare um, for healing your childhood traumas. The number one thing you need to do is just talk to a professional. It's really, really helpful. You know that I'm a serious advocate for that. So, I suggest you do that. Those suggestions were not mine. That was an article. Um, I got those from an article, but the article was good. And I think that those are good practices to start to help to prepare you to be in a place where you uh, are ready to release trauma. Because, like I said, it's not easy at all, at all. So uh, let me know if you guys do it or, you know, you're trying it or if you have any questions or Whatever, these are things that I've been doing uh, for a long time. The first time I went to therapy, I was 25. So these are, you know, I ain't new to this. I'm definitely true to this. What in the world is that? So I hope that um, this was helpful. And if it wasn't, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. If it wasn't, then it wasn't for you. Wasn't supposed to be helpful for you. But I'm almost willing to bet that... It would be helpful for you if you put it in practice. Stick to the game plan. Okay, friends and kin. So, today's straight facts comes from Shanice from Greensboro, North Carolina. And Shanice says, Auntie Mimi, I know that people grow apart, but I have a good friend. Ooh, I have lost contact with. I'm not sure why we fell apart, but I miss her. I really want to reach out to her, but I'm not really sure what to say or what to do. Also, I don't really know what I did or if I did anything. Like, did I disrespect her? Did I disrespect her family? Or the Shaolin Temple? What did I do? And what should I do? Shanice from Greensboro. First of all, Shanice then says she don't know if she disrespected Shaolin Temple. That's funny as shit to me. Okay, Shanice, first and foremost. Secondly, Shanice, if you've been listening to this show more than twice, you should already know what I'm about to say. Call her. Write her. Text her. Send her a DM. DM. Because obviously it's important to you or you're thinking about it. You care. okay? so you care because you decided to write me a question or, you know, ask or seek my advice about it. So you care. So because you care and you want to reach out and you said that in your question, just do it. My therapist tells me all the time and I say all the time on here, do what you want to do and don't do what you don't want to do. You want to reach out to your friend, reach out to her. What's the worst thing that could happen? She could not respond, which totally fucking sucks and hurts. Right. Or she could respond and be like, I don't fuck with you no more because you disrespect the Shaolin Temple. But either way, you won't know what the issue is if you do not reach out. And actually reaching out to her can kind of clear some stuff up because then you can find out, you know, what it could be. Because the truth of the matter is, what if she's sick? What if one of her parents is sick? What if she's stressed out? What if she decided to go back to school? What if she's in an abusive relationship like you just don't know? So if sometimes it's just better to just go ahead and do it, see what's up and then you can move forward. It's really that simple. Just go ahead and reach out. Do what you want to do. Your heart is saying you want to reach out, so reach out. And I got a lot of nerve saying this because a lot of times I don't do this. But maybe this is a message for me that I need to start doing that. Because I'm telling you, pride is a motherfucker. And I got a lot of it. But you know what? Let this be a lesson to me because I'm I'm preaching to myself. But go on and reach out to your friend Shanice. Do that. And I hope it works out and I hope you guys become friends again and you guys have fun and go to brunch and get drunk and um, just have a good time and be good friends. Because real good friends, loyal friends are not as easy to come by as the Internet would have you think. <laughs> hey. Friends and kin for today's We Got to Do Better, I found a great quote that went great. Wonderfully with uh, actually I found two that went wonderfully for with excuse me today's conversation and so I found two and I kind of want to read both of them because like why not the first one is from Auntie Oprah Winfrey I know her and Gail said before that they don't want to be called aunties because they're not aunties but they don't get to decide that uh if the um the masses of black Americans want to call them Auntie Oprah and Auntie Gail. We will. And they can't really stop us. So in this moment, Auntie Oprah says, and I quote, living in the moment means letting go of the past and not waiting for the future. It means living your life consciously aware that each moment you breathe is a gift. That's a good one. I'm going to repeat it for you one more time. Living in the moment means letting go of the past and not waiting for the future. It means living your life consciously aware that each moment you breathe is a gift. Thank you, Auntie Oprah, for that. Uh, It reminds us that the end, which is what I like, to exist in a state of gratitude. Because although, and and I'm telling you, you know, whoever wrote that article about trauma, I know they're not black. And I know that they don't go to black church. Because the truth of the matter is that existing in a space of gratitude should have been the first thing on that list, if you ask me. I feel like something that has helped me, and something that, you know, is oftentimes in our community shoved down our throat, is to be grateful, but not to be grateful for anything that anybody else has done. More so, be grateful to your creator, the universe, God, Jesus. Buddha, Allah, a rock, whatever it is that you crystals, you know, a toad, whatever it is, your thing. Be grateful that although you have experienced that trauma or experienced those hardships, that you are still around to tell your story and that you are stronger because of it. And when you heal from that, or you start to heal from that trauma or those struggles, there's a certain kind of freedom that comes along with it. That once you get a taste of it, you want it again. The next quote is from Auntie Lena Horn. May she rest in peace. And she said, "This this is the this takes the cake." She says, "It's not the load that breaks you down; it's the way you carry it." Listen, ishi shando. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it, which to me goes right back to that spirit of gratitude. Because you can have a real heavy, dark, sad, traumatic life, but it's all about your perspective. It's all about how you move forward from the trauma, how you move forward from the negativity or whatever it is that you experience. That is important and that will dictate your future. I really believe that. It's all about perspective and and being grateful. And it's probably weird. It sounds weird to be grateful for trauma or grateful for a negative experience or a negative moment. But the fact that you are still here to tell your story and that story may bless somebody else that might be going through something. Don't get me to preaching up in here. I tell you all the time, that's why I do the work that I do with young black girls. Because somebody might be going through some of the same shit that I went through when I was a young black girl. And if my testimony and my story can heal them, sometimes it's not even about my testimony or my story. Sometimes it's just being there and being for them what I needed. Being the support and the help and the nurture and the caring and the love and the honesty. And showing them how to be brave and how to be courageous and how to make good choices. That can impact a person's life more than a testimony sometimes because they get to see that shit in action. Listen, thank you, Auntie Oprah and Auntie Lena. Um, so since I don't really do um, the uh, jam anymore because I'm just trying to figure something out, I want to bring it back, but I got to do it right to make sure that everything is copacetic. Um, I just want y'all to know my favorite song on that my life album is called no one else. And it's a song that most people probably overlook or don't really pay a lot of attention to ever since ever since, excuse me, I listened to that album and I heard that song. I fell in love with that song and I love that album. I could sing it front ways, back ways, sideways, all around ways like I know every word to every song I know every melody I know every arrangement but something about that song it does something to me it's called no one else I'm going to put the link to the song in the show notes because that's what I do go ahead and give it a listen and when you hear it you'll be like oh yeah this one unless you're really dope and you already know it, okay? Friends and kin, I want to say first, thank you to God because it's what I do. God is supreme and I recognize and appreciate the grace that God extends to me every single day of my black life. Thank you, God. I'm fully appreciative. I want to thank me for all the hard work, the late nights, the extending of myself, the sacrifices that I make. I appreciate me for doing that, even if nobody else does. I appreciate me and I think I'm thankful for me that I do that. Thank you, me. You're welcome, me. Showing gratitude for yourself is a form of self-care and you know how I get down about self-care. So there it is. I'm thankful for my family, my friends, my supporters, and of course you guys out there listening to this show. I love you guys so much and I'm honored to share my time and my energy with you. And even though you don't think so, and to share your time and your energy, especially if you keep coming back to listen, because that lets me know you're a diehard. You rocking with me. You loyal and loyalty is important to me. And I can't wait until the next time we get to do this again. Now, before you move any further or stop this recording. It's not really a recording. No, it is definitely a recording. Hold up. Anyway, just before you exit out of whatever streaming service you're using to listen to this podcast, I want you to stop what you're doing. And if you haven't already done so, scroll up, go click subscribe or follow. If that's an option for you on the streaming service where you are listening and get in with the good. Now, I want you to head on over to Instagram. And follow me at Hand Me My Purse underscore podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at H M M P underscore podcast, and on Facebook, just search Hand Me My Purse the podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or any other medium that allows you to do so, please take a few minutes out to rate and review this podcast. I would really appreciate it. Give it a thumbs up. Be sure to share, hand me my purse with your friends, your loved ones, and even the people you don't like that much because who's to say that they don't need it or they won't like it or that it won't help them. It'll be your way of doing some good on God's green earth. The best way for people to find out about the show is by you guys telling them all about it. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, if you submit a review for the show, your review may be featured on an episode. And let me read the review for this episode. Let's see. This one is from Ty R. Brown. And they say, man, listen. I love somebody who says, man, listen, because I say it 80,000 times a day. Man, listen. That's the title of the review. I enjoyed every minute of this. Her voice seemed like we were talking to each other. Sis, because we are. I was speaking out loud, responding to everything that she was saying. Subscribe. I know it's going to be real good. And if I could say so myself, Ty, it is real good. How about that? So don't forget, subscribe and or follow the show so that you're the first to know when I drop a new episode, which is always the first and the 15th of every month unless there's a break or some of some sort. Follow Hand Me My Purse on social media, rate and review the show and tell your friends and your kin about the show because sharing is caring. Show notes will always be available at handmemypurse.buzzsprout.com and usually they're available on all of the streaming services where you listen. I did a random check form and they're on all of them and most of the links are active in the show notes on other streaming services as well or mediums. And I highly suggest you get into the habit of reading the show notes because that's where all of the links and the information that I give you during the show, you can find the connection to that information in the show notes. Also, the music provided for this podcast was created by and produced by None other than Gloomy Tunes, which is a local music producer. And I want to remind you guys to submit your questions for the Straight Facts segment to hello at handmemypurse.com or send me a DM on Instagram. And uh, they may be featured on featured, excuse me, on a future episode or on social media. Here's another thing I'm wondering. I'm trying to decide if I want to start a TikTok uh, for Hand Me My Purse. I'm probably going to put it, pose it as a question on social media. And I want you guys to be honest and tell me what you think. I'm older. I don't really have the capacity, but I will sacrifice and find the capacity to do so if you think it will be beneficial. So who better to ask, to ask than the people who listen to my show? Also, here's something that I definitely don't want you to forget. You can expect a brand new episode of Hand Me My Purse, the podcast, on the 1st and 15th of every single month. So the same way you expected those checks on the 1st and the 15th, early in the morning, you already know your girl is going to have you covered on those days. Again, the 1st and 15th of every month on your podcast streaming services, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, These are for my international friends and kin, and anywhere else you may even think that you can find it. Or you can just go straight to my Buzzsprout website and find it there. I look forward to you looking forward to listening. And I'm out with this bit.